You're not really listening to me, are you? Uh-huh. I mean, I could say anything right now, like, you're a complete tool. Mm-hmm. But you wouldn't hear it, because you're a freak with a microphone. Uh-huh. It's not even challenging anymore. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Isn't that true, sphincter boy? Uh-huh. Oh, I gotta wake my ass up at 6 a.m. every day this week. <clears throat> Drag up to Las Galindas. Yeah, I'm doing the drywall up there at the new McDonald's. Let me ask you something. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. No, I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before? It's like deja vu all over again. Monday, July 17th, 2023. How are you doing, kids? You are at JC on the line. Spent the weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. Now, we have some friends down there. My wife has a childhood friend who lives, well, actually, it's about 45 minutes, almost an hour to the northeast of downtown Atlanta. As a matter of fact, it's right on the tip of Lake Lanier, which is basically their version of Lake of the Ozarks, except I think this is a lot nicer. The water is a lot cleaner and more pure it's not as heavily populated boats out there and jet skis and everything but not like it is at lake of the ozarks and so where i was on the far southwestern corner of the lake you go across that lake and you're right in gainesville georgia which is where our friend Lori mack grew up went to high school the whole thing it's beautiful down there because i was saying sort of in the rural areas a lot of septic tanks and water towers and stuff like that but also lots of vegetable stands the big story there of course is the peach crop because i mean this happens every once in a while they plant the peach crop and we got this bizarre weather i'll get to our weather here in just a couple of seconds you have this bizarre weather they plant all the peach trees crop starts blooming and here comes a big freeze wiped out something like didn't they say it was something like 70 or 80 percent of the peach crop this year so if you can find peaches you're going to really be paying a lot for them like i said speaking of weather it'll rock and roll a little bit this afternoon maybe two to seven could see some storms in here about 90 degrees but it's tomorrow they're starting to become increasingly concerned about severe weather tomorrow and it's going to be several waves three maybe four waves of this going through and the first one and the last one look like the two worst. And the last one may not get in here until late Tuesday night into Wednesday, maybe even into Wednesday morning. And that's the one they say, watch out for, the first one and the last one. So it's going to be several waves. And like I said, right now it's a two out of a five. So just have it in the back of your mind in case you're going to be out tomorrow. Just be aware of what is coming down. Now, what is the story out of Hollywood Casino Amphitheater? This uh, Post Malone was there. And at some point, they put a slide up, and they're like, uh, look, Post is getting the hell out of here, and you should too. 
And so, you know, everybody at the concert's like, they sound serious. We better get out of here. And people start going out to their cars. And what do they find? They find they're in water that's about knee deep. They said stuff was floating around all over the place. And, uh, and one guy said the water was so deep in certain places you could probably swim in it. I don't think, I, I don't ever recall hearing a story like that coming out of the Riverport area. So, you know what? There's a lot going on. Just be on your toes. Be ready. Let's talk Cardinals. Back-to-back wins. All right, that's something, you know. The deadline is two weeks from tomorrow, and I'm not going to talk about this anymore until we actually get something solid because there's people running around all over the place, and a lot of them are just goofballs with some website somewhere, and then they quote somebody, they take something out of context, and the next thing you know People are running around going, I heard Hank Aaron and Willie Mays are coming to the Cardinals. It's dumb. And this brings up the issue of the Cardinal insiders again. A lot of radio stations, sports talk radio stations, newspapers, you know, television stations. Let's go to our Cardinal insider. And like I said, I said it before, I'll say it again. Here's what's going to happen. At some point, the Cardinals are going to make these trades and they're coming. And everybody will get the information at the same time. There'll be a press release or some sort of a news conference, and everybody will be there. Everybody will get the story at exactly the same time. Now, closest thing we probably have to a Cardinal insider is Derek Gould, the beat writer for the Post-Dispatch. But that's a double-edged sword. I'm sure that – I'll give you an example. So I've been saying all along that I really think based on – not only speculation and just educated guessing and things like that, but also a lot of chatter around the league from other cities where people who have credibility are saying, well, we hear that there might be something going on here between the Cardinals and Boston or something like that involving the former MVP, Paul Goldschmidt, the reigning MVP, okay? But then that gets jumbled up with the guys who just have some sort of website and are just looking for clicks, and they'll take something out of context, run with it, and the next thing, you know, like I said, you got all these goofy rumors going around. So I'm not doing this anymore. Everybody's going to get the story at the exact same time. If you're Derek Gould at the Post, you're thinking to yourself, well, I know things, but he's in a difficult position. It's not just him. Anybody who's got that beat right and job is in this position. What do you do? What do you say? You hear things. You see things. But the people with the Cardinal organization trust Derek Gould, and they should. He's a good guy. He's an honorable man. He's a damn good writer, and he's done, he does a very, very good job. He's a nice guy, too. But you just can't go out and say what you saw or what you heard because then the team won't trust him anymore. And if they don't trust you, they don't talk to you. And if they don't talk to you, guess what? You ain't got no gig no more. So it's a tightrope that he has to walk. It's a very, very difficult kind of job. A lot of reporters have that. You know, beat writers for, you know, somebody who covers City Hall. Same thing. You know, you see things, you hear things. You got you to gotta learn how to keep your mouth shut until the time is right. Because if people stop trusting you with sort of the things that aren't necessarily for publication, but that go on and it's like this is just something that happens, just, you know. Now you go ahead and you publish that in some way. Now people don't trust you anymore, and now you don't get stories anymore. It's a it's a it's a tough tightrope to walk. Anyhow, the most interesting comment I think came last weekend from Mike Claiborne, who was on one of the was it Sports Plus? It might have been. I forget. But he said Jack Flaherty has pitched recently just well enough 
to be really good trade bait, but also he's pitched well enough for the Cardinals to say, let's hold on to him. Everybody's interested in Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, who is uh, doing a rehab assignment right now and will be healthy again. And the timing is really important because the trade deadline is two weeks from tomorrow. Very convenient that Tyler O'Neill is coming off the injured list. At the same time, he is a major bargaining chip for somebody who wants to see a lot of home runs and strikeouts. Tommy Edmonds name. Boy, I hope they don't trade him, but I hear he's one of the names. Paul DeYoung, who made a couple of plays over the weekend. One in particular where you're saying to yourself, why didn't this guy get better treatment from Cardinal fans? He's one of the most amazing defensive shortstops we've ever had. And oh, by the way, he can hit. But he fell out of favor there for a while and disappeared and then came back. And I don't know, it just doesn't seem like the Cardinal fans have necessarily warmed up to Paul DeYoung as much as I think he deserves. And then, of course, you get the Goldschmidt name being floated around all over the place. Anyhow, this will all be over in about two weeks. Miami in town starting tonight. If you are interested in watching Scott Rowland go into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, MLB Network is going to cover that on Sunday afternoon. Now, let me tell you about Bill Greenblatt. Bill is a friend. I've known Bill forever. And Bill was one of the very early KC jocks back in the late 1960s. Bill did that for a while, but then Bill said, I'm really sort of liking this photography thing. To make a long story short, Bill is the guy you see on the field before the game, walking around. He's got one of those giant cameras, and he just he shoots everything. Then when the game starts, he goes down into the camera well where all the photographers are, and he shoots there too. And he told me once something like 20,000 pictures a year that he takes and maybe three of them over the course of a baseball season are actually worth anything. And when you look at the pictures, you're like, a lot of these pictures look a lot better than anything I would take. And you're calling these things worthless, basically. I think they're pretty damn good. But, you know, photographers, most of them are perfectionists. And it's got to be perfect. And it ain't perfect. They know nobody's going to want it. And they know that nobody will respect that work. So when they get something good... They got to cash in on it. And boy, did Bill cash in on one over the weekend. He got a shot of Alec Burleson's home run the other night, that monster shot. And he got a shot at the exact, precise split second that the ball is coming off the bat. And when you see this picture, it's remarkable. It looks like the baseball has been sliced in half and then pasted on the barrel of the bat because the ball has compressed due to the force of the swing of the impact. It's just basically cut the ball in half, and Bill got that shot. It's absolutely incredible. Now, I put that, and then another one of the Jordan Walker catch out in right field where he ran and ran and ran and then did a face front slide and just picked it off a tall blade of grass. We have a great picture there, too. Both of those can be found on my Facebook page, the Showgram with J.C. Corcoran. The Showgram with J.C. Corcoran. City SC taking a month-long break, some sort of tournament. I don't know enough about soccer. I do know that the women start playing on Thursday and that there is uh, quite a bit of interest in that. And if none of that interests you in the least, try this. 27 days until the Chiefs' first preseason game. Here on the J.C. Corcoran Podcast, we only do politics when it is absolutely unavoidable, and we got a situation like that. Today, there is trouble in Florida for the DeSantis campaign. So over the weekend, they quietly fired a whole bunch of staffers, and I'm not just talking about four or five. 
And then on top of that, they said, and there's going to be more. And part of it is strategic and part of it is financial. Some of the big donors have just sort of quietly pulled away from DeSantis because they don't think he has any chance. So they're running around trying to get those big money, deep pockets guys. And they're like, eh, I, you know, I don't know, Ron. And it seems like the DeSantis strategy all along has been, well, we anticipate Trump is going to end up getting taken down. He's going to get arrested a couple of more times. Maybe he'll be indicted a couple of more times. Maybe he will be deemed ineligible to run again by the United States government. Maybe things are going to get tied up in court. But for whatever reason, we don't think that uh, Trump is going to be able to get all the way to the finish line with the campaign. Therefore, we here at DeSantis USA are going to basically run a campaign that's uh, pretty parallel philosophically with the trump campaign and then when he has to bow out or when he is deemed ineligible we'll be able to swoop right in where we we're going to be the only other conservative voice here that's got any sort of chance we're going to even go further on some of the bigotry and hate speech and stuff like that than trump does and we'll just have to be whether people like it or not they're going to have to look at us as the presumptive nominee but it hasn't worked up until now and it's not looking like it's gonna work and they're gonna have to try something else and i don't know what else they can try he has really painted himself into a corner and here we go by the way isn't it tomorrow i think it's tomorrow jake tapper on cnn i want to say it's three st louis time he's gonna have desantis in the studio with him for i guess an hour that could be worth watching I'll uh, record that. We'll see if there's anything that's really worth dealing with on Wednesday morning. I only touched on this a little bit last week, and it is heating up even further. And I can tell you, because I've seen billboards, and I just saw a commercial a couple moments ago for this whole thing. There's a war going on for your fast food sandwich dollar. Now, we all know the story about Subway and Jared. And they've tried so many different things now to uh, try to offset that whole thing. They've got NBA players basically pushing it and Charles Barkley and people like that. Along the line, Jimmy John's came along. And I thought the Jimmy John's sandwiches were not bad, but it's just that this Jimmy John's guy is just such a tool. He's one of those guys that will pay some bizarre amount of money to go to Africa and hunt big game. But the big game, the lions and tigers and the whatever it is he's shooting at are enclosed. They can't get away. So this asshole just, you know, keeps chasing whatever he's chasing. He corners an elephant against a giant chain link fence the size of Top Golf, shoots him, and then has a picture with him with a rifle and the dead elephant. And he seems like a big man. And people are like, this guy's disgusting. And a lot of people stopped eating there. Then along the line came Jersey Mike's, which I was hesitant to go to. I don't know why. For whatever reason, it just didn't appeal to me. And then one day I saw the sandwich and I smelled the sandwich and I looked at the sandwich and I was like, that looks really good. Cut off a little piece of that. I want to try it. And I've been hooked ever since. I think Jersey Mike's is great. So here's the problem. The combination of the increased competition for Subway plus the bad publicity for Subway. But the big thing is that in all the research and the uh, focus groups and all the things they do with potential customers, they found out that people noticed the big difference between Subway and everybody else. At Jimmy John's, at Jersey Mike's, they slice the meat for you right as you're standing there when you place your order. Subway reaches into a pile of pre-cut meat. They take that and they make the sandwich. And people have noticed that and they're shying away from Subway now because it is perceived that the sandwiches where the meat is cut fresh 
they're probably right, it's a better sandwich. And in fact, I saw Jersey Mike's billboard the other day that said, if it isn't sliced fresh, it's not Jersey Mike's. So last week, Subway makes the announcement, we're going to be retrofitting all of our stores with meat slicers. So no more of this stuff where you just reach into a pile of turkey and then throw it on the sandwich. We're going to slice the meat just like the other guys. And in fact, their commercials now show meat slicers. The only problem is a very, very small number of subway shops have already done the retrofitting with the meat slicers. So they're trying to get away with something here because they know it's killing them. So somebody at Subway said, okay, let's uh, let's just show meat slicers. Yeah, but we're not slicing our own meat yet. Well, it's still sliced, just not at the store and just not when somebody places the order. Put the goddamn meat slicer in the commercial already and shut up. So that's what they're doing. So this is one of those watch this space stories as this thing sort of plays out. Oh, I know what I was going to talk about. We had people falling off the stage all over the place. There's a couple of things. Now, first of all, that HGTV star Ty Pennington, he shows up at the Barbie red carpet premiere in Los Angeles last week and just drops like a stone. Turns out he had an abscess in his throat, needed surgery. He's recovering now. Then that country guy, Jason Aldean, heat exhaustion, left the stage early on Saturday at a concert in Hartford, Connecticut. And then Jim Peterick, who is a legend in the Chicago area, he was the founder of da 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 bump the Ides of March with Vehicle. He was one of the founding members of Survivor. Then he moved on in the 80s to 38 Special, completely rejuvenated that group. And Jim Peterick was the guy who wrote the theme for Rocky, Eye of the Tiger. And he told us the story about a year ago. You're sitting there one day, and you go to your answering machine, and you think you're being punked by one of your buddies because somebody's doing an awfully good Sylvester Stallone imitation. Well, that's very accurate. I had this big old answering machine with the cassette in it, and I hit play, and I hear a couple from my sister, from my buddy, and then, hey, yo, Jim. That's a nice answering machine you got there. This is Festus Stallone. Give me a call. I thought Sal, our road manager, the survivor road manager, was putting me on. He's Italian, and he sounds like that. And I called Sal, and he goes, no, it wasn't, wasn't me. <laughs> you know, my wife hears it. She says, you better call him back. So I called this number, and I very shakily, I say, uh, this is Jim Peterick. Is this really Sylvester Stallone? Hey, yo, Jim, call me Sly. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a kid from Berwyn calling my hero Sly. Well, I'm I'm pretty professional, so I get right on board. Hey, what's going on, Sly? He says, "Well, I got this new movie called Rocky Three, and I don't want to use going to fly now. Yeah, I, I want something new, something for the kids. Can you help me out?" I said, "I love your band, Survivor." I said, "Hell, it's the Pope Catholic." Yeah. <laughs> He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to re- send you the movie, The Rough Cut, and I want you to write a song that's an anthem for all time. Is that a problem? I go, "Not, no problem, Sly. Sends us the movie, rented a Betamax Pro, invited Frankie Sullivan over to the house, the guitar player, Survivor, and we watched that thing. And what surprised me, though, is in the three-minute montage, they already had music. Bump, bump, bump. Another one. I call Sly. Sly, you already got a song. What are you talking about? Oh, you got to beat that one. They wouldn't let me use it. Thank you, Freddie Mercury. That's all I can say. Wow. And we watched the movie, and of course, it's an amazing movie. And out of the dialogue, we picked out that phrase, Eye of the Tiger. That's all we needed. And we went on fire. Two days later, we were in the studio and recorded the song in a couple takes. 
Dave Bickler sang his butt off. We sent it to Stallone, and he says, you guys really did it. No, no kidding. And you know, he's right. The song is outliving everybody. This is just an amazing thing that this, this song is still around in, in 2020, especially in this COVID world. It's really kind of an anthem of hope. Isn't that the greatest story? Hey, call me Sly. Anyhow, Peter is doing a uh, performance in Chicago, I think it was, over the weekend, and uh, and just collapses on stage. They have to take him away in an ambulance. Just scared the shit out of everybody who was at the show. And it appears there was another case of dehydration, heat exhaustion, some sort of combination of the whole thing. So you hear these stories all the time about people who collapse from this stuff. It actually happens. It happens all the time. I love Joe Walsh. I love his comment about Art artificial intelligence he says when ai knows how to destroy a hotel room then i'll pay attention to it that's got to be the quote of the year so far i'm anticipating something with this writer's strike it's looking more and more like the studios in hollywood are just trying to starve the writers and put them out of business and make them all go broke this is something that people don't understand like with the Actors Guild and stuff like that. People living out in California. Average income of these people about $26,000 a year. That's why you always hear stories about people waiting tables and working as bartenders because they don't get a lot of work. The overwhelming majority of people in Hollywood do not get a lot of work. They're just sort of scraping by. They're trying to make it big. They take whatever they can get. And so at the end of the year, it's like, well, I made 60000 from bartending. I only made 26000 from actually being in movies and TV shows. Shows, but I'm in show business. So the writers are, you know, really getting to the point where they're going to get desperate pretty soon because they don't have a lot of disposable income. The studios know that. And they're just basically saying, let's see if we can break these guys. And I don't know where it's all going to end up. All I know is this. We are in the middle of July right now. And there's a lead time required for the big prime time shows even the situation comedies but especially oh you know like the csi stuff and things like that those things take a long time to produce and edit and get ready to be put on the air and if we are going to have new tv shows for the fall season in september then somebody better start making some moves really really quickly here or they're just not going to have enough time to do it and that's going to really start costing people because then it not only costs the writers it also costs the studios so it seems to be a war of attrition right now but i will say this you know i one of my best friends in the world is a guy who was the former president of the writers guild for two years just a couple of years ago and i've already talked to him about this and what's going on and they're just the studios are just creepy while that's going on the big headline is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 wins the box office with $80 million. Except that what they're not telling you when they say that is, well, first of all, they counted Wednesday and Thursday in the $80 million. So it's not cheating, but it's not exactly on the up and up either. They're counting two extra days. Second, $80 million is way below what they were anticipating for the opening weekend for the new Mission Impossible movie. You know, the Indiana Jones thing, there was a huge drop-off from the opening weekend this weekend. And looking at both of these franchises, maybe they just run their course. And I know $80 million is nothing to sneeze at, but it's almost like the stock market or it's almost like quarterly reports. If you don't hit the expectation, that's seen as being really, really bad news. 
They don't look at the guy whose speculation, whose projection turned out to be wrong. I mean, what if he or she was wrong and said, well, we think the Mission Impossible movie will do $120 million. Well, maybe they were wrong. But it is uh, focusing a little light on the whole idea of these uh, these storied franchises in Hollywood. And maybe, like I said, maybe this is the beginning of the end of that stuff. In the meantime, the Barbie movie is coming out here in a couple of days. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick of hearing about this movie already. It's not even open yet. So then, then a couple of days ago, some of the test audiences, they start leaking information about this and some reputable reliable news people and reviewers and stuff like that have said wait till you see this thing we think that ryan gosling is probably going to get an oscar nomination for his role as ken i'm like what you gotta be kidding me and they're like Mm-mm. wait till you see this thing and while all that's going on oppenheimer which is coming out in a couple of days this is the, the movie about the invention of the atom bomb back in the 1940s and robert downey says this is the best movie he's ever been in he's been in some good movies so that's saying a lot birthdays today luke bryan what is it with this guy women who i like and respect and admire we find out luke bryan's coming to time just hear the panties hitting the floor he's 47 today alex winter bill and ted's excellent adventure and the pride of you city 58 David Hasselhoff, 71. Terry Geezer Butler, who spent a lot of time in St. Louis. Bass player for Black Sabbath, 74. The last time I heard his voice was about 10 days ago. He took his grandkids to see Taylor Swift. The Black Sabbath guy is at Taylor Swift. Queen Camilla Parker Bowles, 76. Donald Sutherland, 88. Disneyland opened in Anaheim on this date, 1955. It was 56 years ago. The opening act for the Monkees eh, just said, I think I've had enough. To his credit, he made it through seven of their tour dates before he had had enough. His name, by the way, Jimi Hendrix. And it's hard to believe that you don't have to go back that many years to a time when we had an anchor guy come on television at night, read the news, and both the liberals and the conservatives said, hey, he did a nice job. The guy was Walter Cronkite, and he died 14 years ago in 2009 at the age of 92. By the way, at the time, he was dating Carly Simon's sister. And in a, one of the most bizarre answers for a celebrity I think I've ever heard, they go to Walter Cronkite and they're sort of summing up his career and just talking you know, in a retrospective way. And they're like, you know, Walter, just out of curiosity, if you hadn't gotten in the news business, what do you think you would have done with your life? And his answer, and he wasn't kidding, his answer was, I think I would have been a song and dance man. So instead of being America's journalist, the most trusted man in America, year after year after year in all the polls. Instead of doing that, you would have like a straw hat and a cane. Walter Cronkite, and you're, there is nothing like a dame, nothing in the world. <laughs> Come on. Did I just blow your mind with that? And a new study says that even 20 minutes of walking a day can lower the risk of depression. Unless you're walking through Detroit, then it makes it a lot worse, I'm pretty sure. And with that, the J.C. Clarkman podcast for Monday, July 17, 2023, is in the can. Like I said, a little rock and roll and weather later on today, but the big thing is tomorrow. That's going to be one to watch. We're here every weekday morning at 11. 
absolutely free. As you know, you can contact me, JC at jconthelawn.com, Facebook, the showgram with JC Corcoran. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. And of course, every morning on KWolf, 101.5 St. Louis, 101.7 West of the Island, streaming on KWULF, KWolf.com. Have a great day. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. The JC Corcoran Podcast.